Hey everybody, welcome back to Spilling Lemonade Podcast. This is your host, Cami Nelson, back with another episode. Um, today's episode is going to be a solo episode, and I guess that's pretty much all I have to say. We're going to be talking about all things therapy. Um, so what I have is like I'm going to talk about things therapists have said that stuck with me, my best moments in therapy, how therapy has evolved for me, other thoughts I've had in therapy, so just a bunch of me rambling like normal. Um, before we get started, I did want to say thank you guys all for listening. It like warms my heart when I think about like how many people actually listen to this podcast. Um, like, and the fact that like I might be helping someone that's crazy to me, but it makes me so happy. And also I just wanted to know, like say that you guys all that helped me so much too by giving me this outlet to kind of just like organize my thoughts and talk and I get to meet the coolest people so I'm super excited and this episode is a wee bit late. I have been so chaotic so for those of you guys don't know I just got hired for a new job and so I've been working on the training for that but also my car the check engine light has been on for like two months so finally I took it into the shop and it's my car is screwed um so I'm working on that and then also I have like my book that I'm working on and two top secret projects um and those have both been like stressful but also exciting so I've just been super busy so this one's a little bit late but whatever now I think with that I'm just gonna get right into the episode um one idea I had is like I don't know never mind okay um yeah, I literally talk, I feel like, on this podcast. One thing about me is that I don't edit my podcasts, and I know that makes them a little bit lower quality, and it's not that I can't edit them. Like, I've done it before, and I just refuse to post the edited version because I really want it to be, like, unfiltered. Like, I love just talking. Just it's Like, I want it to sound like I'm on, like, FaceTime, if that makes sense. Like, I just want it to be, like, me talking to you. I feel like it's more personal when I don't edit them and make them all like professional and you know edit all the stuff I say that I regret saying so I don't know that's just how I don't that's I just post I just record and I post and I skip the editing process and not only does it save me time it aligns with my core values so there anyways finally getting into the episode however many minutes in I wanted to start by saying I have a lot of experience with therapy I saw my first therapist when I was six and I'm 17 now, I have had over 25 different there over, like close to 30 different therapists, like significant therapists. I don't even know how that is possible, if I'm being honest. Like, that's crazy to me. Um, but yeah, so I've had over 25 different therapists, and I've been in it for over 10 years, which doesn't sound like a lot, but as a 17, almost almost 12 years. So, and I'm only 17, almost 18. So that's like a lot for me. Anyways. Um, so the first category I wrote down that I wanted to talk about was things therapists have said that stuck with me. This is probably the most like personal, deep, whatever you want to call it category. So I'll just kind of get into it. The first thing is <laughs> some of these I'm like kind of embarrassed to say, but I'm going to share them anyways. Cause like I kind of overshare a lot, but that's fine. But like not in a bad way. I just, I think I do it in like a helpful way. You know, I don't know. That's, that's how I justify it. Anyways, you have an unquenchable thirst for love. 
I remember one of the therapists I had, I, this was in when I was in like the mental health rehab facility. And I was like so irritated when the therapist said this. I was like, I do not have an unquenchable thirst for love. Like, what? And the more I thought about it, I was like, mm, I do. <laughs> like, and he kind of went on to explain that like, no matter how much love I receive, it would never be enough for me because I don't love myself, which is so cliche and clingy and it, ugh, it irritated me at the time. But it's so true. If I'm not giving myself love, then no matter how much love other people give me, it can't make up for that core I love myself kind of love. So I just kept searching and searching. And a lot of the things I did, which aligns with the next quote, were like aiming to get people to love me. Even like my eating disorder related back to like, I wanted people to love my body so that they love me and all these different things. So that, that was that quote. It really stuck with me and it's helped me in my self-love journey. The second quote, there's eight, by the way, is 95% of what you've done in your life has been for other people. Only 5% of your life is yours. Damn. I started crying, like crying when I heard that because it is so true. Basically before I was at that place that I was at, which was in like June, July, I had done almost everything in my life to please other people, to make other people happy, to make other people love me, like all about other people, what they wanted, what they needed. And that had just been how I was the majority of my life. Like even as I was three, I remember like my very earliest memories are me trying to please people. So when it hit me that only 5% of my life was mine, like it should be 100% my life, like, or at least 95. It should be the other way around, right? And then one thing they said is they were like this therapist. She was like, the biggest decision you've ever made for yourself was to come here. So I had chosen to go to treatment. I advocated for myself. I signed up the paperwork. I signed myself into treatment. That was one thing I did. And that was the biggest decision I ever made for myself was to get help. At the time, it felt so selfish. It felt... I felt like I was leaving so much behind my responsibilities, my commitment to others, this commitment to appear perfect. And it felt really selfish to go and in a good way. Like, like I don't see selfish as a bad thing anymore, but that was like that part of that 5%, like the biggest portion of that was going to treatment. And since then I would say I'm close to like 70% of what I do, I do for myself, which is major improvement. Okay. Kind of moving on. The third thing, this one was kind of recent. My therapist looks me in the eye and goes, you don't have very much fun, do you? And I was like, I have fun. I was so defensive. I was like, I have tons of fun. I like, I do fun things. And she was like, like what? And I was like, I write books. I am a CEO. I have a podcast. And she was like, no, those are healing things. You do things that are good for your mental health. You do things that make you feel good. That doesn't mean they're fun. Like, and we've been talking about this for a few sessions now. And it's like, I, and when, even with my new therapist and everything, I have like, I don't do a lot of things for the sake of fun. Like I've never been, I hate school dances, dances in general. I hate parties unless I know everyone. Like I don't do a ton. I don't go and hang out with my friends that often. That's one thing about me is I only see a friend like, I don't go to school or anything. Like, genuinely, I only see a friend for a few hours every week, maybe, max. Sometimes I go weeks without seeing a friend. And so one thing I'm trying to incorporate in my life is just that, like, connecting with my inner child joy. Like, just doing things for fun. Like, 
I am getting a job and I won't have to pay rent or gas or anything like that because I'll live at home for the next two and a half years Um, because the college I'm going to is literally across the street. It's just a community. And I'm just going to save up my money. I literally, I want to go to Disneyland. I want to go camping with friends. I want to have a game night. Like, I just want to have fun without the purpose of being productive, without monetizing my fun. Like, I just want to have pure fun. And that helped me so much. After that session, which was literally my last session, I was so excited about life because it's such a unique perspective to me to just, like, do something for the sake of having fun. And it got me, like, excited for life again, which normally my excitement from life comes from, like, doing good in the world and my passions and my goals and ambition. But having this new source of it was super exciting. So that is kind of my mission right now is to just do some things for fun. And I'm really excited for that. Okay, this one, I don't remember the therapist who said it to me. I remember, like, I remember hearing it, but, like, my memories, I know it was said to me during my eating disorder, and my memories from, like, my eating disorder are all kind of blurred, um, so I know it was sometime in treatment. It may have even been outpatient, I don't know, but my therapist looks at me and goes, you have a naughty side, embrace it, and I was like, I'm not, not like, I don't have a naughty side, mm -mm -mm. and in fact, now that I'm saying this, I bet I can guess which therapist told me this, but... I did have a naughty side. I was, I've always had a naughty side. I'm a little bit rebellious and I love that trend on TikTok. It's like, sometimes you have to be a little bit naughty from the Matilda movie because I, I've always been someone who sometimes you have to be a little bit naughty. Like that's just, but anyways, the embrace it part was about like, not to hide that side about myself, not to pretend like I'm something I'm not, not to pretend like I'm this like perfectly good person. And to like embrace it. I don't know. That was really helpful for me. Also, they applied it to recovery then, which helped not as much in the time. I wasn't really like ready to soak it in. But as down the line, I remember thinking like, embrace it, be naughty, go against diet culture, go again, be naughty, defy your eating disorder. And that made it so much more fun because I love being naughty. Um, Number five. Oh, I know the therapist who told me this one. Okay. Okay. The next two are from one of my best therapists I've ever had and she was my therapist at like the first residential I graduated from and like the one that I finally like recovered from my eating disorder um and she said you might not die from this you might live with it so basically I had always been under the notion well for a while I was under the notion I'm invincible I'm not gonna die like I'm only I literally kept telling people they'd be like you're gonna die like and not like, like, I'm not saying like, to say this like, oh, super sick. Like anyone with an eating disorder has the possibility of dying. Like that's just the truth. And I feel like, shh, 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 I'm 16. I can't die. And all my friends know that quote because I said it so many times to so many professionals. Like I would be in the hospital and they're like, you're in the hospital. Like, like you could die. And I just, no, 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 no. I'm 16. I'm 16. Like, as if 16-year-olds are immortal. I thought that was so funny looking back because I really believed that. But anyways, I then became, like, very comfortable with the idea that, like, I wouldn't have to live with an eating disorder. Like, and I didn't really realize that until my therapist was like, what if you don't die? Like, you might not die from this. What if you have 20 years down the line and you live in this miserable hell for the next 20 years because you don't die and you don't recover? That terrified me. And that, like, so helpful in my recovery. I needed to get scared 
Like that was so helpful because death wasn't really that scary to me, but living with an eating disorder was terrifying. So at the time for me. So also I'm playing with my hair way too much. I'm so thankful you guys can't see that. Uh, I, it's like a mess. It's, it's, it's like a lion's mane, but anyways, um, I've been talking so much. I am just, <laughs> I'm in such a talkative mood because I'm the only one at my house for like a few days. And so it's like, I don't know. I just like, I'm a rambler, you know, sometimes I just, words come out of my mouth and I don't really pay attention to what they are. Anyways, number six, same therapist. You are not too far gone. That is something I used to totally tell everyone. Like, oh, I'm too far gone. Like, I've already done X, Y, Z. There's no way I can get better. I'm a bad person. I'm I'm never getting better. Like, I'm I'm awful. I believed that for so long. And way after she said that. And I just believed, like, I'm, like, too far gone. And now I always tell people, if you're alive, if you are alive, it doesn't matter what you are. If you are breathing... You are not too far gone. There's always time for redemption. There's always time to get better. Like, you are never too far gone unless you're in a grave. Um, okay, number seven. <laughs> this one is, like, not funny, but it's kind of funny. Okay. That's trauma. <laughs> you have trauma, and that does not define you. I used to always call it the T word. I refused to be like, I don't have trauma. Like, because I just was like, even as, like, someone who advocates for mental health, it was really hard for me to accept that, like, trauma doesn't mean the same for everyone. Like, I was, like, well, I never went to war, so, like, like, I literally believed that. So, anyways, accepting that had trauma was a big part of therapy. Um, and even now, sometimes I get worried when I say trauma, because I'm, like, what if people are going to think it's not real trauma? But it's the way that it affects you, and I learned that a lot from that therapist. Okay, and the last one, number eight. You can't think your way out of depression and anxiety. Oh, oh my God. I used to try to think my way out of everything. So I used to just try to think, think, think really hard. I was like, if I just use all my brain muscles, if I just go really deep into thought right now, I can convince myself not to be depressed. Or same with body image. I still do this sometimes with body image. I'll be like, if I just think hard enough and I think the right thoughts, my body image will be gone. But the truth is, Thoughts are something you can't super control. And I was talking to this with my therapist, like, especially like, cause we were talking about like OCD, intrusive thoughts and stuff. And which I only recently learned, like, I, I thought I was crazy for having my intrusive thoughts. And so, because everyone on the internet was like, oh, my intrusive thought is to text my ex. So I thought that was what a normal intrusive thought was. But you know what? I'm having these like thoughts that like, I would never act on anyways, but I've learned so much about that recently. Um, thanks to my therapist and honestly, thanks to TikTok, which made me start the conversation with my therapist. Anyways, I tried to think my way out of everything. And the truth is that you can't really like, that's just no matter how, for me anyways, I can't think my way out of being depressed. I can't think my way out of being anxious. Like these are mental disorders and that hit hard. I cried after she said that. Okay. So that was the first category. I hope that some of that was like either a entertaining b helpful or a entertaining um i couldn't think of a c okay the best therapy sessions moments so this is just more of like a, a beat section of this i just wanted to talk about some of my best therapy moments the first one was i remember my therapist 
like called me at, into her office and this was in residential. I thought I was going to have to stay for so long. It was only week five. And she was like, okay, we decided that your discharge date is going to be this Friday. And I was like shocked. Like I thought I had weeks ahead of me, but she was like, no, like we feel like you're ready. Like we've been talking about it. We don't want to get your hopes up, but yes, we're going to send you home. I was so excited. I remember jumping up and down on her couch, like a four-year-old. Like I was just jumping up and down. I would like grabbed a pillow and all I kept saying, I was like burying my face on the pillow. And I was like, this is crazy. Just like that. I was like crazy. And she was cracking up because I was like, this is insane. Like I'm going to go home. Like you guys think I'm ready. I was so excited. And I just, that's a heartwarming moment. And then following that on that Friday, I ended up going home, my therapist and I, and my dietitian, all in residential. We took my belt that was like, I'd outgrown this belt. Um, I'm not going to describe all the belt, but it was just, it was a triggering belt. And we went into the backyard. I had this idea that we like, or maybe, I don't remember, maybe my therapist had the idea, but we decided to like, we got shovels and we dug up the dirt in the backyard in like the garden. And we literally buried my belt. And then we wrote like, here lies CNs, my initials, ED. And we had like a little eulogy for my, like we did everything. We like buried that ED. It was so empowering. Okay. The third thing is I have this whole session about one of my things that's like, that I didn't even realize was like a trauma response. I just thought it made, I just thought it was something I did to bullshit people. I'm, I've never talked about this, but I kind of had a problem with lying. Well, I've talked about it with like personal people, like my close friend, like one person, but I definitely have had a problem with lying. Um, but I always thought I was just like, I always tell myself, like, I'm just a bad person. That's why I lie. Well, I've learned, first of all, you're not a bad person for lying. Second of all, literally every single human being lies. These are all things I learned in this session about lying. The third thing was the therapist who was like, you probably lie because growing up, you had to learn to lie. Like, you had to lie to protect yourself. It was a survival instinct. Like, had these things not happened to you, you probably wouldn't lie. Like, you still are in the mindset that you have to do this behavior in order to survive. Anyway, ever since that, I've been super cognizant of it, and I lie way less, and it's something I work on, and I'm not ashamed of it. So that session was really great. Okay, I'm kind of ashamed of it, but whatever. Um, For just anytime, I love my therapist who call out my bullshit, because sometimes I do bullshit things, and I need someone to, like, check me in like just be like okay Cammy, this is insane um yeah and sometimes it's hard I'm not gonna say the things that they've called me out on because those are some things are better left kept in therapy uh but yeah okay I will never forget the moment that like I thought I was just this like worthless piece of shit when I went into treatment and I had this therapist that I didn't like and basically he was like telling me he was like you act like a four-year-old you have little temper tantrums I was and I just didn't agree with this he was like you like he was just accusing not accusing but he was I think he was trying to call me out on things he thought I was doing like he had good intentions I just disagreed and normally in the past I would have totally internalized everything he was saying and I would have been like oh my god I'm a bad person I'm awful I'm awful I'm awful but instead I was like that's not true I don't do that that's you're wrong and that might seem like and then I he went off on this tangent about how I'm defiant which that part was a little bit true but also we just had different core values so whatever but I remember thinking like 
that was huge growth for me. I didn't realize it at the time, but I like stood up for myself and said like, I am not a bad person. And he wasn't calling me a bad person, but that's like what my disordered brain was hearing. And so I was like, I'm not a bad person. Like I'm a good person. And I love myself enough to say that I don't do that shit. Not anymore. And it was just a really, I didn't realize at the time, but I was like loving myself. It was the first time I didn't treat myself like a worthless piece of shit. I was like, I have worth, I have value and I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to let people have these false narratives about me. So that was super cool. Even though I cried for like the entire day and I had to be monitored the whole day because I was literally going insane. It was a great day. Okay. Lastly, this is just a fun moment. Um, I like... I used to send my therapist TikToks that I made about recovery or just about life. Like I literally told my therapist one thing about me. I don't even know if I, I'm not going to, we talk about personal intimate details of my life. That's how I'm going to phrase that. If you know what I mean. And I sent her like a TikTok the first time something happened. I don't even, I'm not going to talk about this on the internet, but like, and that's how she found out about like this big moment in my life. As I literally sent her a TikTok and I was like, it was just me and my friends singing a song. And at the end, we like looked at, I don't know how to explain it, but it was really funny. So I love sending my t- therapist TikToks. That was like such a fun thing we used to do. Okay. Next section is how my therapy has, oh my gosh, wait a minute. It's literally only been like 20. Okay. I just, I just saw the time and I was like, what? <laughs> okay. How my therapy sessions have evolved. So I'm not just going to go in order. So as I said before, I've been in therapy for nearly 12 years and this is how I've evolved during therapy. So at the beginning, I just wouldn't talk. I would just let my therapist ramble on and she'd be like, how are you? And I'd be like, when I was six, I didn't have a lot to say. And I was really annoyed to be in therapy. So I would just stay because if I stayed, she gave me a lollipop at the end that like looked like a spider. It was so cute, but I would not talk. And that happened for a while. Then I went through this phase of, like, when I was older, of, like, like 10, 11, of I would never go past the surface. I would spend the whole one-hour session talking about my homework nearly every session. And I was, like, getting A's. Like, it wasn't, like, a big issue or anything. Oh, my God. Okay. Then, during the eating disorder, I would only talk about food. I'm not going to elaborate on that one. Um, then I went through this phase where I cried every single session. Like, every session, I just bawled my eyes out. Finally, I got to this like really state of like empowerment where I was like reading essays that I wrote and I was like just so determined about life and I became really excited and that was all my sessions. Um, Then I tried to think too hard about it, like think my way out of depression and anxiety. I still kind of am in that phase, dot, dot, dot. But I tried really hard to think. Then I got to a place where I was like doing a lot of trauma processing. That was hard. And now I'd say I'm at a place where I, like, I talk a lot of session kind of like this, but I'm able to work myself through everything. I'm very solution-based. And normally, I'm able to get to, like, where I need to be on my own. And my therapist kind of just supports me a little bit while I'm there. So that's great and validates me and, like, affirms and stuff. So that is awesome. Um, That, that was really short, but I just think it's cool how I went from, like, literally not talking to talking so much. Um... Lastly, these are just some thoughts that don't really fit in with the category that I just wanted to share because I'm they don't like they're just things I'm gonna talk about in therapy that I haven't even talked about yet, which is kind of funny. But I was thinking about nights. 
So I used to hate the dark. I used to hate night when I was growing up. I was afraid of the dark. I think that's so cliche, but I was afraid of the dark. And I really hated nights. Like I had this phase for like two or three years growing up where I would cry every night before sleep, not because I was depressed, but because I was afraid to fall asleep because I loved life so much that I wanted to be awake the whole day. Somewhere along the line, nights became like my safe space though. I rem- I think it happened in treatment. It was like, or like every day was just go, go, go. I had to fight the entire day. I had to fight my brain. I had to fight other people. Like it was just exhausting. And then finally night came and it was just me, myself and I. And I developed this mentality of like night, my bed at night became my safe space. No one's going to disrupt your life. You're not going to disrupt your life. Nothing's going to happen for the next 10 hours. Like you're safe. And making it through every day and getting to that night became like my safe space. I could finally hear myself think at night. I could organize my thoughts. I didn't have to fight during the night. Like I could just sleep and allow myself to be. And especially when I got to treatment, it became like the safe space of like, it was the only time I was alone. And while I used to hate being alone, it was like, I felt the less, the least lonely when I was with myself because when I was around other people, it just reminded me that like other people are experiencing joy sometimes and I wasn't. So the night became this like really, this like refugee for me. Refuge. Eventually, as I got better, the night still stayed. It just transformed. Like it still stayed important in my life. Like now I'm doing really well and I have been for the last eight months, but the night is still like this like super special place for me where I can gather thoughts, where I can think. And at the end of the day, it's like a reminder to me that if I have no one else, I always have myself. And that kind of leads me to my next thought is like, I got to this place of like, I realized I spend 100% of the time with myself. And so I kind of created a mind space that I like to be in because I want to be able to talk to myself. And now I really enjoy spending a lot of time alone. And it's just like, this thing to me that like I know I at the end of the day will never betray myself again and I have that certainty and that's nice and that kind of goes on to the third thing I also developed this habit of I hug myself and it I don't know when it happened it was never like oh I'm gonna hug myself right now like it was never a conscious thing it just started happening that I think once again in treatment like things were so awful sometimes that I would just hug myself and I didn't even notice it for like years like two years but Eventually, I realized, like, when I'm sad, I just hug myself and I cradle myself and I just let me know, like, you have you and you, which I don't even know how to explain this thought. But, like, it's this thought of I'm never alone if I have myself. And the hug reminds me of that. It reminds me that I'm loved, even if the only person who I know for certain loves me is myself. At least I have that. And obviously, that thought wasn't very comforting when I didn't love myself. And I'm not saying I'm like perfect with self-love, but I love myself and I'm gonna, and I used to be so ashamed to say that, but (laughs) you know, okay. Um, The next thing I wanted to talk about is literally, okay, I already kind of touched upon this, but like having more fun is one of my biggest goals. I just had a whole session about it and I literally wrote down on another note in my app. I was like, what are things I can do to have fun? And so I've been talking a lot about I'm super anxious because I have this really cool opportunity coming up that I can't talk about, but the uncertainty stresses me out. So I'm trying to like bounce it out by having fun. And 
I don't have money, so that's another problem, but I got a job, so I'm hopefully going to acquire some, and I don't spend a lot, like, on little things, but I want to go to Disneyland, I want to go camping, I literally impulsively almost booked a cruise for me and one other person last night, um, and then I realized that one person had to be 21 or over, and I was going to book it because I was like, oh, we'll both be 18. No, you have to be 21, which I thought was so awful, it really upset me, but um, another time another time but yeah so I guess I was gonna cover like a few more thoughts but they're not that interesting and I feel really good about this episode so I think we're gonna stop now um kind of as usual I hope you guys gained something from this whether you're just like cleaning or driving and got some entertainment or whether like this you heard something that I said and you were like oh dang like that's good or you know if it inspired you in some way that's super cool to me And you guys all helped me by listening because you gave me, like, an opportunity to talk to myself, which is great. So I love you all so much. If anyone wants to ever reach out to me, I sometimes don't reply. And my friends can vouch for that. I'm not good at replying to messages. But I will eventually normally reply. Just reach out to me. Be like, hey, I'm a spilling lemonade person. Like, you know, what's up? And I'll totally talk to you. I love making new friends. So that's that. And I hope you all have a great day. Bye.